<clears throat> Jim Joyce. And I was really, I was trying to do my usual Jim, Jim Joyce. But so um, this is the, is this the, a first? Is this a this first? Is the, this is the Omicron edition. Yeah. And is it definitely Ami? Um, I don't know yet. I don't know yet. Okay. Um, I mean, okay. I think every other, uh, every other test that comes back seems to be that way. And that's, that's what's spreading. So I don't know yet, uh, but I've taken a few of these at home. Uh, honestly, I was actually yeah. going to cancel on you and our guest today. I just, it took a lot to kind of, you know, the fever just finally broke today after a couple of days. Um, okay. But the crazy part is, and this is the beauty of technology, and I know, uh, you know, I've, I've had, I, I got the new Aura 3 a couple of weeks ago. Um, right. And I woke up Sunday and I look at my Aura and says, you know, my readiness level, which is what Aura is measuring. It was like, I've never right. had it this low. Never. I haven't, you know, I had a previous version and it's right. my temperature was spiked and my HRV uh, variability uh, was off and basically oh, wow. it easy. Um, and I just, saw the onset so last couple of days has been fighting fever and so you might have to carry this combo i'm trying to stay you know tuned in right, to you right but uh yeah, anyway. yeah, well you, you look i mean so so we're you th you think you're through the hard part of this anyway it was like kind of a couple you know, of days i don't i don't know um I, I i i hope so um you know the fever broke yeah. i mean there's other things uh that could be yeah. but i'm um, staying positive i you know i had my vaccinations the, the second shot was end of june so i wasn't yet due for the booster but i guess this okay. will be the booster right um we'll see i'll, I'll test yeah the yeah antibody well you're, building, you're built you're building antibodies as we speak you, you know what I, I actually, this is why I absolutely, and I'm not ashamed to say this, I love you. I, I, I really, you know, I, I'm looking at this, hold on, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this out to the audience before we invite our, um, um, come on, where is it? Where's your message when I told you over text? Um, instead of like, some people are like, oh, get what, like your, your comment was like, nice, you're building antibodies, you'll be invincible. <laughs> Your team must love you. I mean, it's just like, you know, they wake up and just yeah. want to keep going, right? So uh, kudos to you. Right, right, right. There's something um, to it, right? There's something to a little bit of like, just keep yeah. powering so on, right? I'll be the energy sucker today, but... Uh, a lot of like, been a wild, it's been a wild year anyway, you know? So this is our, this is probably our final for the season, is it? Or final for the I mean, we actually year? have, believe it or not, we have somebody booked next week. Um, okay. But okay. we'll, you know, we'll cross that bridge. Oh, nice. You're drinking too. I, I think I'm going to stay away from liquor not to, you know, increase my heart rate. Okay. Um, our guest is yeah. already waiting. How are you, how are you before we get in? Um, how, you know, your hair, your hair looks a little disheveled, wow. but, you know, I don't have that problem. <laughs> no disheveled. Yeah, we're producing health beacon units. They're flying out the door. I'm literally lifting crates. <laughs> That's good leadership. <laughs> Helping the production team. But yeah, no, wild week. You know, we went public the last week, right? Like it was like, it was the first day of trading with you. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah. Day trading. So we've been trading for a week. You know, we're on the junior markets. Um, it, there's a pace to it. There's a, it's, it's really, uh, you know, we'll, 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 when we get a chance to talk in a little bit more detail later on, but um, exciting, you know. We have a ticker symbol uh, that's out there. Amazing. And, you know, we're, we're the highest form of corporate structure. It's a publicly traded company, right? Uh, uh, it's and so and exciting. Man, I'm, I'm proud of you still lifting crates. That's kudos. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, 
Yeah, cool, uh, Julie. let's uh, let's let uh, Julie Merchantson in. Excellent. I think Julie Julie was a good luck charm, right? Because I I didn't really know Julie that well. She came to the Health Excel event. Yeah, we're just finally, um, you know, that, that was actually, I think, good timing for an event also before Omicron really kicked in, took high gear. So uh, totally, totally. Right, Julie? Hey. Hey, Jim, congratulations. <laughs> Thanks, Julie. I was just saying you were, you're a good luck charm. <laughs> well good i'm glad to hear that <laughs> no because you were like you came to the dinner you were at health excel in dublin and then we invited you to buy the dinner we didn't know if my company was going to go public at that stage and you were one of our new friends that came into the yeah to the fold so you must have brought a little extra good, good luck to the you <laughs> i'm glad to hear it yeah i saw the pictures at the on the floor that was very exciting <laughs> Yeah, very exciting. Very yeah. Exciting. And, and we were just saying, I mean, the health excel was, I think, I, I don't know how many events are going to be happening now either with this Omicron spreading, right? Uh, JPM is off. But anyway, we'll, we'll have a whole, you know, whatever, 40 minutes. I feel or so like to we talk about. snuck it in there. I know. I know. I know. I know. Yeah. It was, it was good to made. hug it out as much as we can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So I'm in a new so spot in my moved. house because I have kids and a dog. Does this work for us? Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's perfect. It's perfect. I mean, we're, yeah. we're meticulously unproduced. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. pretty much anything work. I, I think our, our oddest one was Michael Dillian from Top of a Slope, right? Um, right. I'm trying oh, to remember. Yeah, yeah that, that was not bad. But, I wish uh, I could have done that. One guy actually lift, left the podcast during it and to go make a proper drink, and we heard him just rattling a G&D in the so, uh, I, that just but, helps me reflect on like how truly conservative I am. I would never do that. <laughs> but well, well, welcome, welcome to anyway. the shot. You've heard the news, yeah. heard the news uh, from uh, Eugene here. No, so I don't Eugene think so. Here. I don't think I've, I've texted you, but um, you know, this is not a pregnancy test, just FYI. Shut um, really? I, I, I almost, I was telling Jim when we started, I almost canceled the new guys, but I figured the show must go on. I am dedicated to this. I've kept most, most of mine. I'm, I'm hanging in. I'm hanging in. I'm hanging in. Yeah. So Omicron, but, do they know? Um, I, we don't, I haven't gone, uh, to yeah. take the actual one. I've been just, uh, you know, and, and the family took and they were all clear. So I'm staying in one room. They're yeah. staying somewhere else. So, you know, let's see. Hopefully, oh my God, how well, fun. New chapter. We're all going to get exact, it. Ex ex over. Exactly. Right. I, I, yeah. I tweeted it. It's not the matter of if, it's just when, right? Um, and that's it. Yeah. And whatever mildness. I got my, my Moderna. I got my Moderna this morning. The boost. Yeah. And Crow yeah. Park. I'm getting my boost it. as we speak now, right? Just fighting naturally. Yeah, right. Naturally. So we haven't, Julie, we haven't, we haven't yeah. properly introduced you. We tend to do a little bit. So, so maybe for, as you would say, Eugene, you'd introduce her. For the million and viewers and listeners, you know, maybe introduce yourself a little bit, um, maybe a little background. I think Julie and I actually met uh, over a decade ago. It was like at a health 2.0 consulting version one. version one. Yeah. Kind of thing yeah. with, with Holt and, and team. So and then we sort of, I don't know, disconnected for a while. And then actually, I do want to say that it's. You know, the C-19, um, I think, you know, just kind of reaching out to people. I think we reconnected after that many years, right? And so, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. So, welcome to the shot. But then for the, as, as, as Jim said, for millions of viewers and listeners, tell us about who Julie is. <laughs> 
Julie, exciting story. So, uh, well, I'm one of those uh, healthcare change gurus. I've been trying to drive change in healthcare my entire career, um, mostly around data, frankly, and how data can change the way we, you know, measure and kind of measure everything that we do. Um, so those are the early naive days when we used to call it health IT and we were jamming big on-prem systems into health systems and health plans who now are, you know, juggling hundreds of systems. Um, you know, I then sort of transitioned that into a, a weird avenue of my career that actually was a, a big culmination of what's important to me, which is all the stuff that doesn't work well in healthcare is because we don't understand each other's businesses across these silos. Uh, we don't actually know each other well, and we love to battle with each other. So mm-hmm. I spent a decade building um, Health Evolution, uh, the Health Evolution Summit, and then um, a few other convening and leadership um, components of that in a, the early days of a media channel there to really focus on bringing the leaders together. How do you get the CEOs and C-suites of all of these big health systems, health plans, life science companies who are focused on innovation, externally focused, you know, need to be driving the strategy of the organization together with just the CEOs, not the salespeople, but the CEOs of these small companies that have incredible ideas, uh, are building pretty net new concepts that can really innovate, not necessarily disrupt and destroy, although there's some of that coming as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, putting them together and a lot of the large guys and girls and women um, love to learn what's going on in innovation, right? Uh, right. It's competitive intelligence. It's uh, it's yep. just kind of new thinking. Um, and what small company doesn't love to have access to a C-suite or SVP level of a large player? So it was an amazing experience um, and great community. And I think so important to get leaders together uh, these days. So I then rolled that into uh, Transformation Capital, where I'm trying to take that same kind of theory and drive more efficiency and effectiveness into how our portfolio partners connect in with their uh, end customers through the sales process. And then also just be more consultative to those systems, plans, life science companies about what we're seeing in the industry. I mean, a firm like ours, if you just think about, it's almost like the FDA and how they only, you know, use the data, publish the data from what actually gets approved as opposed to all the other data that ever Receives right, a light of day. Right, right. You know, we look at hundreds and thousands of companies to just invest in one. So yeah, yeah. we have all this information that we never share, never is used productively. Right. And if we know that a health plan is looking at behavioral health, we can say, oh gosh, well, you know, here's how we landscape the industry. And in this section you're looking at right now, here are the five companies we saw and the one we invested in and how their business models are different and why we did that, but you might like this company better for what you're trying to achieve, right? So without um, turning into a consultant, we're trying to just be more consultative and additive. Interesting. And where did you, where, where are you calling in from, Julie? Seattle, Washington. Ah, beautiful Seattle. And it looks and, pretty um, sunny. And, <laughs> it looks really sunny. <laughs> that might just be my light. <laughs> uh. <laughs> And, and, I, and, and did you train before you, you know, came in, did you train in kind of business or did you train in medicine or data or what was your. Yeah. So I'm a business person. I grew up through kind of the NBA channel. Uh, okay. I don't, I don't really shout that from the hills. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, but I take a very, um, you know, I'm a very kind of 
I see the big picture perch of um, strategically where the industry is going and what needs to happen, but I'm definitely very much an operator. So working with our companies day in and day out really, you know, I think is a great, great match for me. Cool. I, and, I wanted to touch capital. Go, go ahead, Eugene. Sorry, Gemma, before, before we go forward, I wanted to actually, because you, you use the word health IT. And of course this week, uh, I think this week, I don't know, my, my foggy brain, Right, the Oracle uh, and Cerner deal. Um, I mean, that was huge news. I mean, from a multiple perspective, I thought it was. I mean, com compared to like Athena, right? Um, but your your yeah. thoughts, Julie, your take on kind of the whole interop and is this good for the industry or yet to see? Just curious. Probably yet to see. You know, I think um, from the days when Neil DiCrescenzo was running uh, Oracle Health. I think that company has wanted to purchase Cerner or something like it for a long time. So I don't, okay. I don't get the sense that this is like entirely new, you know, thinking. Um, and I think since Neil Patterson passed, it's been a bit of a windy road for Cerner. Okay. And when you look at what Cerner has incredible opportunity, right? Absolutely incredible, but it needs um, really strong, powerful global reach and uh, just you know, the ability to kind of leapfrog into what is now the next generation of technology in many ways. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I mean, was when we think about it, has there been a mega deal? Like that's the biggest deal we've seen in a while of like real established incumbents in kind of the health tech space. Like we've had, you know, we've had the whole Lavongo Teladoc thing, you know, that you kind of jumps to mind, but that's like a, it, it, you know, it, I mean, Athena yeah, Health yeah. was bought out with, by a private equity firm, right? But uh, at a much That's larger right. multiple, from what I remember. Um, so that was, yeah. I mean, relatively recent, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And th yeah, these mega mergers, I don't think we've seen a lot of them. We've actually seen more of them on the health system health plan side yeah, than right. we have on the health IT digital health side. And Jim, to your point, everything has just been, you know, companies going public at like ridiculous valuations that are now totally underwater. Right. It feels like the action is in the kind of the innovation space, you know, that, you know, like it's kind of that's where the action is in the financing action and or, yeah, this kind of aggregating of, you know, kind of the optims kind of style aggregation, you know, at that kind of system level. Right. That's kind of those two areas. Yeah. To your point, maybe the most recent one along those lines might be something like a CVS Aetna, which seems like a long time ago by now. Right. But that yeah. was the biggest kind of mega merger to that happened during COVID, maybe just right pre-COVID. Right. Um, well, I think we've lost all track of time, I yeah. feel like. <laughs> no, yeah. no, <laughs> That's right. There's no time to continue. Yeah. Okay, so you, so you went from heaven, and then so you you were one of the, like you're the originating partner at Transformation Capital. Uh, you know, uh, Todd Cousins and Jared Kesselheim founded the fund. Uh, Todd's okay. a serial entrepreneur, um, grew... Uh, Marquette Medical, Pisces, uh, is incredible with our CEOs. I mean, he is like the CEO mastermind, sees okay. kind of where these companies need to go. Uh, Jared's a physician and uh, sees the clinical need for so much. It's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. So super um, detailed in what the clinical potential can be of these companies. Uh, and then just before I joined, uh, they brought on Mike Dixon from Sequoia, who Todd had worked with for a number of years as well. And Mike is, uh, he's amazing in the sense of what he's seen at Sequoia. 
and uh, what he can smell about businesses, you know, especially uh, a lot of these small venture backed, you know, fast growing businesses. So it's a great team. Our entire team is focused uh, or is comprised just like they are of like investor operator clinician. And mm-hmm. it makes it, uh, you know, a very thoughtful team and a very healthcare savvy team. And also at an operational level, which I think is really important, not just kind of sitting up here looking at where money can best be, you know, used to drive change. Right. So, and where, do you, where do you guys are? Where do you guys kind of play in the investment continuum? Is it kind of later stage? Uh, so we consider ourselves growth equity, and uh, we are not bound necessarily by um, a stage or a series. You would think that would normally be kind of a series B, C, but honestly, this market. I mean, these days it doesn't though. make sense to name it anything anymore. Yeah. I don't even know what it means. So, um, you know, we've done a couple, uh, series a, so earlier companies, every company in our portfolio has some sort of product market fit. So, you know, we need to have, we need to see that to be able to really figure out how we're going to scale and grow them through our network. Okay. Uh, we've done a couple crossover rounds, like three IPOs that, uh, are opening up new aspects of, um, their commercialization and that fits well with where our network is. So uh, what's really important to us is that we're either investing in uh, novel technology or a services model that is really using technology in a novel way. Right. Uh, so that's, I think, the sweet spot of how you think about transformation. Eugene, you okay? There, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> hanging in. Um, the, the, are there any services model that don't use technology these days? Any new companies? I, I just can't even imagine, right? Like, uh, especially in, in, in health. Um, it's like- Oh well, yeah, let me, there's one thing I forgot to say that's really critical to our model because of course I came up with an answer to your question like that, which is we invest in companies that have the potential to really drive towards value-based care. And we are very cognizant of where the industry sits on value-based care today and how quickly we are trans, you know, transforming. So we won't invest in companies that are using technology in a novel way, but just driving costs up in the system. Mm-hmm. And right. there are services models today that are playing to the top of billing pricing that might create much broader access for the 1%, right? right. Uh, and just drive, drive, drive that cost. Uh, or there are, you know, drug deployment models um, to provide access to, for instance, behavioral health drugs that might be using a really novel way to get to consumers. Um, But at the end of the day, they're just pushing a drug and not necessarily focusing on the root cause and driving, you know, a different kind of care model around it. So that's where the difference is. Yeah, and you, like I, I was thinking about like in how and how long have you have you been with Transformation Capital now? Kind of uh, just over a year. Okay, okay, got it. I, I you know, like thinking about from your perspective and looking at how kind of almost in the financiers field right now, there's so much going on that seems fundamentally disruptive. You know, especially in like health tech. So you know, yeah. the idea that the public markets are now open or you know, like the crossover deals, the SPAC deals, you know, the transformation of regulations around trying to accelerate, you know, COVID cures or, you know, or, you know, you know, like new, there just seems to be so many things that are disruptive in the financiers model set, doesn't it? And on top of that all, uh, I think we talked with Chris Hogg uh, on when he was on this, it's like, you know, for the first time almost ever, you can now assemble pieces of this. You don't need to build things from scratch, right? Like, it's a little bit of you need, you know, GPs and docs. You go to steadymdawheel.com. Uh, 
you know, shameless plug, right. you need health coaches, you go to your coach, right? You can assemble right. pieces of technologies into a service offering that's still driven by tech um, and, you know, in hopes of increasing value, right, every day. Do you feel that way on your side when you're looking at these deals that's just just like, oh, like, wait, the game's changing, you know, like how people make money, how they get exits, how they look at it, that it just seems very fast-paced. Very fast-paced. Um, I think we are keeping, as I assume many investors are, a close eye on the public markets and what's happening there and what does that mean for private valuations. And um, so, you know, all that is um, it's definitely hot. But the reality is, I mean, because of COVID, right, we've all opened up a whole new channel for potential in healthcare. So right. if you really take the long view, and unfortunately now with Omicron, we're getting even more of an opportunity to do things virtually. So mm -hmm. um, you take the long view, uh, there is just so much that's here to stay. And Jim, I think what's interesting about the deals now is you're starting to see the context of deals is shifting a little bit. Like you're starting to see companies like a ribbon or a medallion who are focusing on like, uh, like totally not sexy back office stuff right. that creates this kind of component that Eugene was talking about or some interoperability companies like smile CDR one up health or companies like that, that, you know, can componentize what they're doing for those who are you know looking at how they take advantage of uh, information exchange needs in their model. Right. Um, so back office and data connectivity, you know, we weren't seeing that right. 24 right. months ago, right? So we're, I think, you know, uh, the components are starting to come together. That's for sure. And yeah. data, by the way, I mean, look at definitive healthcare. That's mm -hmm. a pretty big deal. Um, we are invested in a company called H1 and uh, also in the data business. Um, you know, these data plays are serious because data is such an issue. Right. And these the data sources are just all over the place. So to the extent that venture can start to really um, rationalize some of these data models that create just kind of an easy button for life science companies or health plans, uh, I think it's really powerful to driving efficiency. Right. I think we should we should have just gotten for our show the easy button. You know, right, just right. Every, every, every time, I mean, the, that, dig, digital health is the easy button, right? For it's right. the savior. <laughs> um, actually, you know, um, just a little touch on, I'm, I'm actually kind of curious, Julie, what does digital health mean to you? I know we've sort of had these 85 plus episodes now, and I don't think we ever asked that question uh, <laughs> on ever, anyone. Right. Sorry to put you on the spot here. Wow. It's a big question. Um, so... When I think about the difference between health IT and digital health, and why I sort of call digital health and new health IT, you know, we're, health IT to me, it was just kind of laying the tracks, right? It's uh, just getting data digitized. And we've done that now for the last 10 or 15 years in a scalable way. Now, digital health is coming in on top of that and taking that data and doing new and novel things with it that can focus on actually the end customer, if you will. Yep. So yep. where health IT was a little bit more back office, now we can focus on how do you take data and actually improve it, use it to improve someone's experience? Uh, how do you take data to develop loyalty with that customer? How do you take data information to um, you know, drive more appropriate visits or care, right? 
Um, so that's that's how I think about digital health. Is it's just we're we're now making good on all that money that we put into the backup that infrastructure, that systems. Yeah, and in the in the in the sheer number of deals, I just feel like you know I feel like in the first part of the digital health kind of mission or revolution or incubation, like. Eugene and I would go, you, you were probably at some of the same conferences and you felt like you, the same companies were there for ages. It was the same small group of people, yeah. you know, for ages. And it was like, you could kind of name everyone on one hand and, you know, there might be a little bit of a West Coast thing or a little bit of a European thing or Boston, but you kind of got around pretty quickly, right, Eugene? It wasn't, you know. Yeah, like you yeah. I mean, it was, um, exactly. It was a community. Yeah. And then now it just feels like it's just, like the sheer tonnage, like when I look at like the health Excel reports coming out and the share information, the size of the deals, you know, like what's your view in ingesting all that? Well, our team is amazing, first of all. Okay. Um, so when I think about the last decade when I was building Health Evolution, uh, those companies were hanging on for a long time. They were still trying to figure out their product market fit. They were growing slowly once they did. Right. They were making markets. They were changing the way people thought about things. Now, they've all been sucked up. They've either, well, first of all, they either sort of grew yep. or died along the way, but right, maybe they've right. gone public or I remember meeting, you know, Jason Gorvik from Teladoc 10 years ago. I'm like, look at him now. Right. So, um, and that company struggled along the way, you know? Mm. So now I think we're seeing, I mean, so many more companies. And the couple of things I'll mention about that observations, one is that, um, you're seeing more technologists coming in, not saying I'm going to cure healthcare because those guys realize that right, they're wrong. Right, right. Um, they're coming in and actually either partnering really closely with a clinician to found a business in a real way, or really just kind of embedding in healthcare to understand what's going on operationally. So those technologists, are, you know, are by definition then bringing more technology savvy ways of what they're doing. Right. So. You know, we've partnered with a couple of companies um, that I think are uh, absolutely like Memora, Vital, Vital ER is one of our companies. Um, they're absolutely almost replacing what older, larger companies have done. But those older, larger companies have done so with more humans, offshore call centers, mm -hmm, you know, right. just heavier models. So it's fun. It's a great time to now see this new um new collection of companies and you know with all the data that has even been digitized in the last five to ten years now yeah. we actually kind of really take off in a big way so you know i think it's uh those differences will make a difference um from kind of the way that we we're plotting along over the last decade right you know so i'm just time. um you you were kind of reminiscing yeah. taking us back you know 10 10 years plus ago jim right and uh, kind of the small community and if i sort of rewind back on you know, the honorary shout out to Matthew Holt, right? Um, and some right. of those early days of companies, it was very much like, you know, consumer and community that didn't seem to really take at the time, right? Then all these companies were trying to figure out some advertising model, then some B2B. But if you think about what's happened in the last two, three years, we now have direct to consumer brands that have really taken off like Row, right? As an example. And so this, you right. know, the, the consumer, the health consumer that, kind of people thought maybe it's going to be not really taken off actually did take off right to a certain extent and it's a viable business model now they're all packaging a lot of the stuff towards b2b again but 
Yeah, you have to wonder, like, look at what's happened with Uber and Lyft, right? Like, I used to be able to Uber around San Francisco for under $10, no problem. You really mm-hmm. can't get around San Francisco these days for under $10. Like, it just yeah. doesn't happen, right? Yeah. So we've all gotten so used to the experience of using Uber and Lyft that, I mean, who would go back and use a cab unless you're in New York or yeah. <laughs> some yeah, very cab-friendly city? So we've also just we've accepted what these kind of more expensive charges are. I think if you're looking at some of those companies that you just mentioned, Eugene, we're going to go through the same cycle mm-hmm. with them potentially where the B2B model is challenging for them. Um, right. I'm sorry, the B2C model doesn't cover the cost. The B2B model doesn't quite pay all the bills. So they're going to have to restructure a little bit potentially. I don't know. Jury, jury's out on that, but right. I think healthcare is going through a little bit of an Uber and Lyft experience. Yeah, but it's interesting, right? Because you're still using Uber and Lyft and you're willing because it's also the convenience, right? Um, That's right. And so, you know, uh, and, and again, this is not for the masses. Not everybody uses Uber and Lyft, right? Um, and I think the same thing mm-hmm. we'll see. I mean, you mentioned the 1% and, and going, you know, at, at the top level more and more. And so I think, well, I, I agree with you. I think it will reshuffle uh, to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who's the and company we had on last week? We had Ankit. Uh, what was Ankit's company's name? Ankit. Infinitus. Infinitus. That was very that was much, cool. I mean, we, we touched on kind of the back end stuff, right? I mean, this is just automating, you know, calls, right? He, just stuff that's he's, like. He's got guys like kind of AI robots that are making calls, you know, to, to agents. pre-clear your insurance. Yeah, to your agents. So they're waiting on the phone for you. And then. He sells that and then he sells the robot on the other side for them to talk to each other. <laughs> so he sells the one robot to talk to the other robot. We, 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 we described it as like a, it's like, yeah, it was like driving a, it was like having a robot, you know, it was like having a, a Tesla driven by a robot, you know? <laughs> so funny. But I mean, that RPM stuff is like real. And we're, right. we're invested in Olive. They've taken huge chunks of savings. Um, right you know, costs out of systems are doing the same thing with prior off and health plans today. Like, yeah, you know, we've got a long way to go um, to just I, continue to see that value there. I'm just curious, like I, you know, uh, running one company is, you know, you can continue losing your hair. And I know before we started recording, <laughs> G- Jim was like, you know, brushing his, he was all disheveled, right? How the hell does Sean <laughs> do? Like he, he's got two now, right? Uh, I, I forget one was raised a couple of hundred mil and then a Medicare one, 50 mil. I mean, I know Elon Musk does it too. So kudos to Sean. First of all, Sean's a machine. I mean, and yeah. he has hired an incredibly talented machine. Right. But, you know, I think some of this, uh, you know, these maybe new codes are purpose built for a specific yeah. um, population that leveraged, you know, from the core company. So I would call them related. Right. Yeah. Right. Also true. Right. I definitely could do that. <laughs> but I mean, along those lines, like it's a great question, right? Because when you, I mean, every health plan in the country, I mean, should be the world. If you think about what the, how that maps to governments and other private right. health plans, like behavioral health is just such a scary thing for them. So mm-hmm. they're all experimenting right now with um, these new populations, like what Sean started that company for. So it's not right, in, right. Medicare is obviously a big um, 
a, a big focus for all sorts of obvious reasons around how MA works yep. in the US. Mm. Uh, but Medicaid, you know, plans are really trying to understand Medicaid and how do you attack it and how do you deal with behavioral health issues in Medicaid, you know? Yeah. And we're seeing, um, you know, city blocks amazing. We're seeing skinnier versions of city blocks start to emerge as well. And we're testing this whole concept of like how virtual can you go in some right. of these populations? So I think we're going to come out, you know, the next few years really understanding back to like the 1% comment. Right. What what does a 1% look like? What does Medicare look like? What does Medicaid look like? Like everyone's really getting very like deep into that, mm-hmm. which right. is awesome. Yeah. And at the end of the day, every one of those human beings is unique, right? And so this is like a little bit of, um, you know, how do we, uh, you know, there's cohorts, right? And then, you know, healthcare is an industry and therefore at an industrial scale, how do we help at a personalized level, right? And that's what I think, that's the beauty of being part of this industry and driving this at the personalization level, right? It's, it's, just fascinating from treatments to, to care plans. Yeah. Having been exposed to like so many healthcare ideas through health evolution and trans transformation capital and all the other projects you've been involved in, has it changed your own practices for your, your healthcare, your family's practices? Like, do you feel like, like, does it, as do you think it actually is kind of touching like your lives and not to get into the detail of it, but, or is it just something theoretically that's off in the distance for you to use at some point in the future? It's such a great question. Um, so a couple of thoughts on that. One is uh, personally, I'm a one medical you know, member and have been for a long time. Okay. And uh, two things. One is I do everything electronically with them now. So thank God they've actually really built out the electronic components there. They could still be going much farther, but I'm not sure that's as big a priority as just pure growth. Right. Um, right. But the second thing is, uh, you know, um, I feel like I don't need a relationship with a physician anymore. Right. People still talk about the fact that healthcare is such a relationship business. And, you know, I sort of call BS on that. Like, I think <laughs> as long as one medical has all my information right. and their clinical training model is, you know, right. fairly consistent, I can go to a medical anywhere in the country. I don't really care. Right. Like, Right. Do, do I have an NP assigned to me or a physician assigned to me? Great, let's do that. But I'm never going to really spend enough time with that person at this point. Right. So it's a really good um, point. Yeah, and it's. I'll also say it's changed my expectations. You know, uh, I'm aging like we all are, <laughs> and I have to have a couple appointments. You know, outside of one medical, and they want to book them at like the most expensive system in Seattle. I asked my doctor, I was like, so there must be some other kind of lower cost alternative, or do you have options? She's like, no, this is actually where we send everybody. I thought to myself, yeah, okay. We're still (laughs) back in the old healthcare. So I'm struggling with that personally, which isn't a digital issue, but is definitely, you know, related. It's a transformation issue, right? And I need like transparency. I need more information about where I could go. So I don't have to ask her and then try to figure it out. um, The second thing is my mom, um, God bless her, 70 something years old, five, maybe, um, she's getting there and she had a knee replacement, um, last fall. And, uh, my mom has, um, she lives alone. So I worry a lot about loneliness. I worry a lot about her mental health. Right. So, uh, one of the companies we work with sword, which is a virtual Mm -hmm. MSK company, which is all kind of virtual physical therapy using physical therapists. I was, um, you know, 
lucky enough that they gave her a subscription to sword. So she's been doing her PT at home. And I'll tell you, not only does she love the PT because she can actually see how she does. She knows how she feels on a daily basis, right? But she sees the data in this interface that she understands. She's a little more tech savvy than your typical grandma. Um, But she gets it and she, (laughs) yes, exactly. She competes with herself and she like, she sets her goals and she's disappointed if she doesn't make them and da da. But what's most interesting to me is that her PT has become her buddy. Right. So Hmm. I think sword might be doing as much for her mental health and her loneliness as it is for her physical condition. And for that, I mean, I'm so thankful. And I think this whole kind of virtual coaching PT, not even PT, but no virtual um, clinician model could really be useful for, for our seniors. Now, the question is, (laughs) how do you make that efficient on the company side? Right. Right. Um, But, you know, getting back to your your robot discussion maybe plenty of ways you could do that right totally now we see that like it's funny we like we you know we have our product that tracks whether people take their injection medication at a time and right we just early on just put a little smile like so you drop your device in and it's the device smiles at you and immediately you know people developed a relationship with their device you know, yep. they didn't want to disappoint the device. The device was smiling yep. at them. You know, it was like immediately. And then you add like a smiley customer care person that might be just kind of a chat, you know, on the chat feature. And they didn't want to disappoint them. And then like, and then you had like a, you know, a your coach style person on the back end, you know, one step further. And they, they just, it was such a lovely uh, relationship that was developed, you know, through the technology all the way, you know, up yeah. the stack. And in the in the you know, and I have a lot of clinicians that are friends, so hopefully they don't get mad at me for saying this. But you know, largely, you know, that kind of relationship it can be a, a quite disappointing relationship. You know? you know, you've got this like tight window of time. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you yeah. you got to write all your notes beforehand. You're on a you're on a tight time schedule. You know, they're you know, you're empathetic to their situation. They're going to yeah. see twenty people after you. You know, and walking and saying like, what kind of relationship is that? Like, it's it's it's, it's a very transactional relationship. It's, you know, it's yeah. very much, you know, and they're for, maybe they're forced into it. Um, you know, it was, I, I remember in the investment business, you know, when it went from everyone had a stockbroker, you know, to everyone went to Fidelity. E-trade, or, right. E-trade. And, <laughs> well, and like, yeah, and what's a stockbroker? Like, I, really <laughs> right. I don't really mind not having a stockbroker anymore. <laughs> yeah, totally true. Yeah, it's, yeah. um, it's interesting that you're even doing that with technology, Jim, because it just goes to show that people just need a little positive reinforcement and they need happiness in their lives, right? I mean, this happiness why issue. You, why do you think we do this? Why, why do you think we do the shot every Wednesday? <laughs> keeps, you, keeps you happy. Keep, 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 keeps, <laughs> totally, keeps us totally. sane. So. We're, trying to keep, we're trying to keep him through. We're, we're, we're part of his recovery plan here for COVID. That's, so that's right. That's right. <laughs> We, we gave up on not saying COVID or pandemic on this. Uh, we definitely did give up on it. Um, did you ever, before we close up, did you ever see that study? I saw something, I brought it up here before, where um, they did a study in, in an academic setting with like maybe like 10 year olds or something where the teachers took the first paper that the kids did at, at the beginning of a semester and they added one statement to their grade. So they graded the papers as they normally would but they did 50% of the papers and they wrote um, after the grade, they just said the, the child's name and that, you know, after they gave him the grade, it says, you know, th- you know, this paper was a B and you could have done a little better there, a little, you know, more here, you know, and it goes, but Eugene, I believe in you. 
And they just added the name of the child and that statement that I believe in you. And then they studied the, you know, they looked at the grades at the end of the semester and the kids that had the statement on the paper, the one statement had like a 10 or 20, some ridiculously high percentage increase. of performance yeah. uh, in an increase. So it was like statistically- Positive like reinforcement. Statement. Positive reinforcement for sure. It's just like we're supposed to tell our kids when we discipline them that I still love you. I always will love you, but you're- totally wrong in this situation we totally believe in you <laughs> that's right <laughs> i believe in you <laughs> have you all seen right. that video that's gone viral of uh in asia of the teacher who has a kids lineup and the kids have control over where they they want to hug or high oh, five or that. whatever yeah no oh that's epic it's yeah, kind of like the epic. modern day version of what you're talking about yeah, no, that's so adorable. That's so adorable. Yeah, yeah. I have to, I have to check that out. Maybe that that will keep me, you know, motivated tonight. You so you done it, you, you survived. A, this is a pretty impressive. I, show I know. Up I know. <laughs> Wait, so when did this test come down? How long has this been happening? Um. So I, I was saying earlier that uh, Sunday morning I woke up with my aura ring telling me it's the lowest score that I've seen my readiness score, and it said like my temperature and my HRV and the heart rate was way up. Um, so Sunday is when it kind of kicked in and then today's Wednesday, the, the fever just kind of broke today. I mean, I had an er earlier, a uh, couple hours ago still. So just a few days, um, hopefully Maybe instead of mass testing, we should pay for aura rings for everyone around the world. That might be the, that, I mean, this has I been a so great aura advertisement more. this whole yeah. 40 yeah. minutes. <laughs> No, I found, I, I like, I, you know, I, cause like recently with all this stuff with this bloody, you know, not this bloody, this great IPO, but this difficulty of the IPO process <laughs> is like, you know, I would wake up in the morning and I'm going, like, I had to do so many presentations that I was like, if I had the aura ring, I would have been like, maybe canceled a few because <laughs> there's yeah. a couple of times <laughs> not the full gym showed up, you know, <laughs> I do. I do think they published some studies uh, and I could be wrong. I need, we need to look this up, but I do believe they published some studies that they can predict like earlier onset of, of COVID. I, but I could be, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure even with the so. earlier version. I mean, it makes sense, but. It does so, make sense. Yeah. Respiratory. Yeah. My so respiratory awesome. rate was like way high that Sunday. Like it was just way yeah. high. Crazy. But I will wow. survive. Thank you. Awesome. Do you want to I go to so. your 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 uh yeah. your famous okay. question, Jim? So picture yourself. So you're um just just picture yourself in a situation giving advice to a uh Seattle born uh, you know, businesswoman turned phenomenal healthcare enthusiast, building conferences, becoming a venture capitalist, and you come up with this phenomenal uh, idea and concept where you could put a ring on someone's hand and it could lead to <laughs> transformational behavioral health uh, impact, long-term impact, and the data flows right into the doctor's office <laughs> from, the, from the information. So you're you're looking at that young entrepreneur and you're looking to give them some advice. What advice would you give them? You know, the advice that I think uh, is pr has probably been true forever, but couldn't be more true than today, is that your people are everything. Yeah. And how you think about your team from you down, what are you good and bad at? And just surround yourself with people who compliment you and actually respect what they have to say, right? That's kind of the first leadership lesson. Um, but then thinking about people strategically, like, 
how do you create culture around what you want people to really do at the end of the day and how you want them to feel and um, building infrastructure in that space early to be able to take advantage of, I mean, frankly, situations like we have today where talent is impossible to get and to actually be structured, to go out and hire who you need to hire at the pace you need to hire them doesn't happen unless you built some infrastructure. The ability to move culture from something that's like meh to (laughs) kick-ass culture that makes people want to work there, that doesn't happen overnight. Right. So just really thinking about that that piece, um, which I think is hard, frankly, for a lot of founder CEOs. It's not a a natural focus for most. Agreed. Awesome. First answer like that. Thank you very much for making the time. Thank you. Great to uh, see you both. Yeah, and happy holiday season. And uh, I'm sure many more conversations to be had. I hope so. I hope you feel better. (laughs) You're welcome back to Dublin or or Barcelona once we're uh, off the the lift band. So Eugene, get some sleep. We'll see you completely recovered uh, next week. Next week, exactly. All right, ciao.